opposite sex. Of course, another big change since I wrote this book is the addition of the internet and email to the relationship strategies widely used by singles who are looking for love. The internet has helped to mitigate the excuse singles used to be so fond of. There's just no good way to meet people. Surprisingly, though, I still hear this excuse all the time in singles workshops, and Chapter 3, which discusses it, is still necessary. After all these years, I remain an intimacy advocate. I believe none of us knows enough to be pessimistic. That bright, shining news might always be around the very next corner. I've studied and written about couples who thrive, and I see that they're happy, not because they got luckier than all the rest of us when they found each other, but because they passionately desire and believe in their happiness. They do not dwell on their problems and differences, but instead approach every situation with a spirit of goodwill. These are strategies all of us can learn. So in spite of the inescapable bad press relationships receive and the pervasive negativity that surrounds marriage in our culture, I believe relationships and love are what everything else in life is about. My deepest passion is helping people free themselves from whatever is keeping them from love, and especially from a deep, pleasurable, and nurturing bond with another special person. Much of what I will present in these pages I learned from my own experience. When I was single, I sensed a difference between me and my other single friends. For one thing, I seemed to be more determined and systematic in my search for love. And for another, I was quite certain I would succeed. I actually carried around in my purse a list of all the qualities I was looking for in my ideal man. And I put the word out in as many ways as I could dream up. I tried personal ads and dating services. I attended singles events and stepped up my participation in my hobbies, such as folk dancing and theater. I actively encouraged all my friends to think of men who might be suitable for me. All this went on for some time, although I did not have a frantic or urgent feeling about it. I knew I would meet the right person. I just didn't know when. How I came by this confidence, I can't say exactly, although I believe it was critical to my success and it is a feeling I've tried to conceptualize and pass along in this book. I simply knew I was not a person who would spend my life alone. It wasn't my self-image. Also, I knew I was not capable of settling for someone who did not fulfill my ideals. One evening, my friend Roseanne called to say that her husband's cousin Meyer had recently moved to the area and had invited her whole family over for a delicious dinner. Roseanne was impressed by his hospitality, and his cooking. Also, she said he had mentioned that he liked to cuddle and snuggle, something that Roseanne knew was also important to me. She invited me over that very evening to meet him, but alas, I already had plans. Cancel your plans, Roseanne told me. I don't know when I'm going to see him again, and I really want you to meet him. Where are your priorities? I knew she was right. I managed to alter my appointment so I could spend an hour with them. As I approached Roseanne's house, I could see through the window that the back of this man's head was bald, not part of my image of Mr. Ideal. The conversation was pleasant, however, until I asked him what he did for a living. I'm a ceramic artist, he said brightly. That really cooled my interest. Mr. Ideal was going to be a university professor or a minister or a politician, maybe the ambassador to France, something like that. I thought I'd give it one more try. 
Where did you go to school? Los Angeles City College. What? Not Harvard or Yale or Stanford? But I dropped out after a year. That was the coup de grace. I was very friendly, but I hurried on to my previous engagement. Meyer later said of that short encounter that I was putting out such a strong signal, not with anything I said, but with my general demeanor, that it was clear to him I would either scare him off or get what I wanted. Though I was completely unaware of this at the time, I realized when he said it that the message was deliberate. If a man was going to be intimidated by me, I wanted it to happen right away so we wouldn't waste each other's time. Meyer was not intimidated. I guess that alone impressed me enough to say yes to a second date. To make a short story even shorter, on our fourth date, we guessed aloud to each other that we would probably get married. We didn't decide to. We just recognized, joyfully, that we had both found what we wanted.